is Brett with another Suspended Soul podcast. Today I have Deborah and Daryl from Slut Bomb. Daryl does a project called Jeffrey Donga, too. They are from Cincinnati, Ohio. Um, I don't like labels. I don't know how you would label it. Probably hardcore punk, grind, power violence, whatever. Experimental for Slut Bomb. Uh, Jeffrey Donger, probably grind power violence. I don't, I don't know. Fuck all the labels. But anyways, welcome to the show, you two. How's the day going? All right, not too bad. Yeah, well, Happy New Year's to you both. This is being done on New Year's, so it's a new year. I hope things are better for you all in this last year. In this <laughs> last year. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, you can't see how it could be any worse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I, I don't know. I guess our, I guess our friendship for background for viewers kind of. I mean, we have a lot of mutual friends that kind of starts when my Hearts Noise project I do, Midwest Lust, came to Cincinnati. We got to play together. And thanks, Deborah, for helping put that show together for us, too. That oh, was yeah. appreciated. That was a very appreciated from Jeff and I. I that was, that was a good old journey. Um, but anyways, so, um, yeah, um, maybe tell viewers that may not be familiar with Slut Bomb a little background on how you all started and who does what and uh, with some of the ideas or some of the politics behind the band, maybe. Or... Okay. Um, do you want to start or should I? Okay. Well, yeah. Um, I, so Debbie had an idea for a band with uh, like a different bass player and drummer than Taylor and Brandon, who currently play in the band, but they couldn't, like, find a guitar player, which is, I no idea how that's a problem, but, um, yeah, I was already coming up there about once a month. We'd maybe been dating, like, a year or something at the time, and I got there, and I was like, yeah, I can do it, so, yeah, I played guitar, Debbie sings. Um, at the time, Kayla and Kyle uh, played drums and bass, but now Taylor and Brandon play drums and bass and yeah and that's the prime that's the prime group that I'm very happy with everyone and I love them very much but yeah we started in like 2015 I think we played our first show maybe November of 2015 and ever since then you know just been trying to do our best I just love I don't know it's always just started as a punk band but at the same time there's so many other things I like about like hardcore and like power violence and grind and tell when we first started the band, we were playing, putting like ska stuff in it. Now it's mostly just. Yeah, really, like, it's all, really it's all punk, but I guess all these little like, you know, all these little labels help people know what, know what different things are. It's just like, I consider noise to be a part of punk, but some people consider it to be more part of industrial music. I don't, I don't know, but yeah, I I come from punk rock, so I'd say I got more into it through punk myself. But you know, you know how the wind goes. There's all the labels oh, of, of things, and that's I just, why I, that's why I said I didn't know how to best describe you because I I couldn't really pigeonhole slut bomb into into one thing, which I guess is a good thing. Oh yeah, it's like it's definitely all punk at its roots, but there's just like there's over 50 years of punk rock there's no reason that we should just do like one decade of it or one style of it or one variation of it there's way too much punk i like to 
one kind of it. So it's cool to be able to expand, but everything, everything's still punk, but it's all just like different grabs at it. And the more parts I can throw in a, if I can throw five different parts in a minute long song. <laughs> but yeah, I, when we first started Slip On, me and Debbie write all the words, mostly Debbie, it, but I don't know, like, 70-30, probably. Yeah, I'd say now it's about 70-30. It used to be more like, I don't want to say 50-50, but a little bit closer to that. Yeah, yeah, but just, like, as it's gone on, like, and in a lot of the older stuff, I would do vocals, like, a little bit more, but now it's that I do that less, too, but it's just, like, you start writing, trying to write better or maybe harder parts, and I, it's hard for me to sing and play them at the same time. <laughs> But yeah, yeah, always. Oh, go ahead. No, you keep going. Keep going. Keep going. I was just like, I was just saying, yeah. <laughs> no. Uh, but yeah, the band's just always been vehemently anarchist it, since the beginning. I there's a lot of really good and powerful like anarchist bands from Cincinnati and from like the Akron, Cleveland area. But I just always wanted more I was just always looking for something else and I felt like maybe we could do it I feel like we're always learning always like what we write now is more educated than what we wrote when we were younger there's songs you feel like you're you feel like you're screaming but you don't know what you're yelling at and we definitely I feel like you know what you're yelling at as you get older, right? You see the world and you really see all the shit it really puts down on every puts down on everyone, especially like modern day capitalism. And I mean, capitalism's oh. always sucked, but it used to be like, you know, workers used to be able to provide for their, you know, their families and be able to retire and stuff. And now it just seems like everybody's going to be worked into a grave. It's kind of it's kind of what I'm seeing. I don't know. I don't know. Oh, yeah. It, yeah. So I guess I'm, I guess, yeah. I mean, I live in, I mean, I like to say I'm an anarchist, but I live in capitalism, so it is what it is. I mean, I don't know. I guess I'm a democratic socialist is probably your best, the best way you could label me. I, I mean, I'm an anarchist at heart, but I mean, I don't know. And I, <laughs> what? Oh, I was going to say, I think that's more what it is, Truth, at least personally, I think anarchism is more of a of a mindset and like a thing in your heart because we all do live in this capitalist society and you can't just go fuck off to the woods and be self-sufficient. Some people can, and I applaud those people, but most people just don't have an option. Like, we have to live, we have to eat, you know what I mean? So, you have, yeah, to, sell your, the, you have to live in this system, but... I believe that like anarchism is thinking towards trying to imagine how we can go in the future, how we can fix this. Yeah, very much so. And it's, um, and I mean, I think it only, I think it only comes through like education of people too. Cause some people like, some people only get, you know, think when you say anarchy, like they're thinking you're saying like complete chaos, which I don't think like a lot of, I mean, yeah, it may, it may be a little chaotic, but, like, I mean, I'm, I believe in anarchy and equality. I believe there's ways we can get along and ourselves as a society without a main government. So, you know, whatever. 
You know, that's the whole that's the whole big thing right there. Um, so I guess that gets into some of the politics of Slut Bomb. What else do you um, like to write songs about, or what are some of the lyrical contents based around for people who may not know? And I, I know you'll have some different releases, so you could probably go into a lot, but maybe if you're going to boil it down some. Um, well, for me personally, I write about what I see and what I'm experiencing. So, like, first album, I wrote a lot of those songs while I was still in high school. So it's about, you know. Well, I mean, even if it's political, yeah. everything's personal to a degree, right? Right? It's so all good feelings. I said, even if it's political at times, everything's personal to a degree, even politics are, because it all deals with our lives and how we view things. So, yeah. So you said you started writing in high school? Some of those songs off the first album, like Christian Values and Not All Punks, was shit that I was writing when I was like 17, 18 years old, like first time really writing. Well, I was always writing like poetry and shit as a kid, but like first time, like, I'm going to have a band, I'm going to write these songs, and this is what I'm writing about. And then it went more to writing, you know, you grow up, now you're on your own. Next couple albums, I'm writing about like, capitalism destroying everything and weighing me down because I'm starting to see that more than just seeing like shitty dudes at punk shows and you know that kind of shit so it just I write about what I see you got songs about abortion and shitty Christians and shitty capitalism and you know but I try to always keep a little bit of hope in what I'm writing, like, even when it's something super desperate, like, fuck, we have a song about having thoughts of suicide, and at the end, it's still, I try to make it hopeful, because even though I, mean, I, I feel do. like... I've been there, I think we, I think we've all been there as, like, people would open our eyes to the world sometimes, like, what, you want to, you want to fucking take yourself out of this world or not be a part of it, because it's such a fucking mess that you would... I think we all realize there's people that care in that, but also fact. And I think, like, I don't know, there has to be some kind of hope for something better. Gotta have hope. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I, I think that's the best part about it. Me and um, Debbie have had other bands, and Slop uh, Bomb, funnily enough, is Debbie's first band, and probably, like, I don't know, maybe my fourth or something like that and but it's our other bands we I'd usually try to use it as an outlet for when I was feeling less hopeful and when I would need to say things about that not necessarily because songs like that are bad but just because I like to I like if the end goal of any slough bomb song the end goal of anything like that is hopeful then maybe somebody can feel at least a little bit more hopeful listening to that. And if that can kind of be the goal, not only to not necessarily educate because there's so many people who know more than us on a lot of the things we're talking about, but to maybe make people aware of these things. Yeah, of course. And I'm going to let you go, but it's that old saying, not everybody knows everything, but somebody knows something. So, you know, you know, it's, teaching each other or learning from another and yeah but keep going what we're saying oh oh yeah and uh, but it's like hopefully people can pick things up for me but i just definitely feel like i'm doing my best to pick things up from other people all the time so if we can if we can put 
these things out in the world, but also put them out in the world and try to keep a positive end to them, that these are terrible things going on, but we can talk about these things and we can do better than these things, then I think that helps a lot. Um, we just put out like a little like a little lathe cut seven inch that just has a couple songs that are going to be on our next album, um, 86 and the police coming out uh, later this year. And I, uh, and the first song is just federal arms dealer. And it's just about how all of your taxes go towards, uh, they're like 40% of them go towards defense. And it's just a ridiculous number, a ridiculous amount of your money just being spent on like offense. It's being put in like the pocket. What, 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 the, what, what money spent on a war machine and a capitalistic corporate police state, basically? Basically, yeah. basically I mean... Yeah, you have so much money that people need. We're arguing over giving people like six hundred dollars instead of two grand, half of what we got before. That's not even going to cover some people's rent. Fortunately, I live in Cincinnati, Ohio, and my rent's cheaper than like maybe people who live in Chicago or like New York or LA. We pay high rent. We pay high rent here. Like it's. It's not. It's not. Chicago is not a cheap city to live in. None of these big cities really are. But I mean, if you kind of look at America, if you look at the cities, or I mean, they're kind of bait. They're kind of built around capitalism. You wouldn't even have these buildings if it wasn't capitalism. You know what I mean? mean, So it is what it is. I guess you're just. It's what those kind of pawns in the fucking sick machine unfortunately but I mean we don't have to be in what I can also say is I don't think I mean I hope punk can be an agent of change and it opens people's eyes and reaches more people and like I'd even like it not just the you know because I sometimes feel like the punk that it's almost like preaching to the choir like a lot of people know these things so it's kind of cool when you get somebody who's never experienced it before and you open their eyes to new views and new ideas and you can educate someone new and that's a beautiful thing but at the same time it's very if you even if it isn't an agent of change it's good it's good we have it for our own therapy it's just kind of like you know when i was getting heavily into stuff like you know 93 94 but so on 96 all the tour was indecision silent majority of millhouse and silent majority has a, like a lyric it says it like says, hey, mom, I don't need to talk to someone. This is my therapy. This is my outlet. And, like, it's a pretty true statement. Like, a lot of people need this stuff on this for therapy. Not saying people shouldn't go see, see a therapist if they truly need to get help or anything like that. But, yeah, art can be a very therapeutic thing. Definitely. It, it's nice when you can when you can look at when you can look at the world or you can look at yourself and write about it and writing about it kind of just can make a difference it, it not for anyone else at least for yourself but uh, i don't know i maybe i just like to think about that cuz i've just heard so many things and read uh, so many songs by other people that have positively mm-hmm. affected my yeah i mean like one of the bands one of the first bands like I'd say some of the first bands that really opened my eyes to like like a lot of shit that was going on in the world were bands like 
I don't know. I would say stuff like Drop Dead was a bit. Drop Dead was a big one for me when I was younger. I mean, refused to course. There was a lot of stuff that just kept piling up that I would find out about. And um, yeah, unfortunately, uh, at that period of time, there wasn't as many female fronted bands, which which sucks because it shouldn't just be boys fun, you know what I mean? Not just boys fun, like seven seconds. Seven. But there was an awesome band that opened my eyes still on stuff called Kill the Man Questions, which had girl and guy dual vocals, which is which is pretty grand. Of course, rudimentary P9 and all that stuff was always opened my eyes to stuff. But I'm sure a lot of that stuff for you guys, too. For sure. Uh, mm-hmm. Big one for me was Poison Girls. Um, it punk band from like the 80s female fronted super underrated super underrated I don't, no think ever, I don't think i've ever heard i don't think i've ever heard it that's probably how underrated it is oh my god they were amazing and the lead singer she was i think in her 40s when the band started her first ever band woman in her 40s when the band started she was so nervous to like practice like Singing that she would hide herself under a blanket until she got the courage to like actually like sing. Um, but yeah, so she sounds like a witch singing amazing uh, anarcho punk songs about shit that was not being talked about at the time. Like, definitely, I would say most underrated political bands. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, mean I mean, like, I even think stuff like I don't think a lot of enough people know about stuff like anti schism and stuff stuff like that either. It's like or you know, I don't know if you ever heard of anti schism or or if you guys ever heard that. Uh yeah, I've listened to a little stuff by them, honestly not nearly enough. Yeah, I think it's I think it's it's diverse. It's like all over the map and so so underrated. So underrated in my opinion. See, like, there's people who know about them, definitely, but, like, there's enough, like, there's some people still ask, you know, who that is, and I'll be like, no, but there's still people I ask who fuck on the beach or melt banana is, and they're like, no, I don't know who that is, so it's like, you know, but, yeah, it's cool, had had themselves on, yeah, I mean, that's always kind of, I think that can be, like, a thing, like, hiding yourself can be a very thing, like, especially when you never have played music before and some people just don't do well with the real like i i know it's off little subject but one of my favorite noise artists marco cabelli which did a tracks work and unfortunately committed suicide too early on in life and stuff but was just very he had this one lyric where it was just like it goes over a sentence that says leave me alone over and over again it's just like so dark and detailed but you know there's certain things that are just like the real deal and i'm sure you know that band you you're all talking about one of the real deals you know what i'm talking about especially if it comes out of the 80s you said it was out of the 80s yeah um i think their first album was actually 79 yeah they were playing and, with like Kraft a lot yeah, yeah yeah they were good friends with Kraft, and the first Kraft album really one of the, like that's one of the first companies that's one of the first punk bands I ever got into. It's crass when I was a young kid. I think that's a starting point for a lot of people, but not a bad starting point. It'll definitely make you aware of the world if you're not. Yeah, I definitely was really... Oh, well, go ahead. 
And it almost had, you know, crass almost like I had friends that would always talk shit on the crass. They think they had that same annoying drum pattern again over and over again. A lot of their stuff had, but I was like, yeah, it's so simple and it's ahead of its time, but it's so good. I was like, how can you talk crap on this and aware of what's going on in the world? And I even like, I even like myself some Chamba Wamba, which is after crap. I'm not, I'm not going to front, you know? Oh, Chumbawamba is a terrible band, but we definitely <laughs> still listen to Chumbawamba. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's definitely, I mean, there's definitely like, I had a whole group of like anarchist, punk, power violence, hardcore kids, friends that like crafts, and they definitely got into Chumbawamba afterwards when we all were growing up in Kansas City. Like, I remember we went up to Michigan Fest one time, and they all did, like a bunch of my friends did a dog pile in the van listening to Chumbawamba. So that was that was pretty fun. That was pretty. That was pretty goofy. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, oh, go ahead. But yeah, so uh, keep going. <laughs> I was kind of getting interrupted there. So you said that band went off. Yeah, but um, yeah, it's just like I feel like now you're seeing a lot. You're seeing a lot more, and I'm glad you're seeing a lot more people of color and a lot more women involved in like even hardcore because like I mean yeah, there's always been. I mean, I don't know if there's always been a good amount of women and people of color involved in punky movies said it's all the same thing, but hardcore has always kind of had this, you know, it's always kind of had this macho side to it. So it's been a fight for women to kind of feel accepted or absolutely be a part of it. I feel I'm not a woman, so I shouldn't really speak on those things. But I don't know if you could say anything about that, Deborah, or not, or your feelings. Yeah, I would definitely say even in just the short amount of time that Slut Bomb's been a band, I've definitely been treated differently. Um, one of our first shows, we were, like, checking in. We're like, hey, we're Slut Bomb. And the guy is like, is she in the band? Um, oh, yeah. yeah. They, think they're probably, they're probably think you're, they probably think you're just somebody's girlfriend, even though Daryl and you are together, <laughs> together, but they probably don't think you're actually in the band or something because people are dumb. But, yeah, that happened. Oh, yeah. And there's definitely been a ton of shows that we've played that there hasn't been a single other woman in any of the other bands. And it feels pretty uh, awkward and ex- a little bit exclusionary, but, you know, people are still nice. No one's usually weird about it, but it's definitely, there's more women now, I feel, and especially more young women, I, I feel like. I feel like when I see younger, like, kids at shows, they're usually girls. And yeah, and even with my label, Suspended Soul Tapes Records, I've tried, you know, I've tried to always put out you know, artists I love because I know nobody can help where they come from, what their orientation is. But I've always also tried to focus on putting out some bands that have women and people of color in it, whether it be like Weakerist or Bob Lazar or Hip Hop Act Barrel Maker or, you know, you know, whatever, whatever it may be. I'm always trying to, you know, I don't know. I, I feel like there's a band from Michigan called Bullshit Market. They're kind of like a two-piece noise core project. My friend Patrick Harsh, he's really gotten into just putting out hip-hop and rap CDs a lot lately because he's like, he's like, fuck a bunch of white, closed-minded motherfuckers. He's like, the black community is what we need to be supporting and uplifting. 
Well, I mean, it's all counterculture, and I think that's a big reason why, like, hip-hop... Well, he gets so burnt burn out on punk half the time because he's, like, you know, he's trying to be he's trying to be also, like, somewhat of a mentor also or hang out with, like, you know, young black male men and women who have, you know, had their backs turned on them all their lives a lot of times. And then, like, in punk, you get this whole can- cancel culture where people turn their backs on someone for so- something so simple. And he's like, how's it? And I kind of talked, Patrick was talking about it one day. And certain things need to have their backs turned on. But it's like if we just turn our backs on everyone, we don't actually communicate and work through the situations. What good does it ever do anybody? Buddy, the move oh. ahead. 100%. More than anything, communication is key. And I, you, but I feel like for certain people, it's so much easier for them just to turn their backs on somebody or cancel someone else else out, just so it's not their problem, or so they don't have to deal with the issue. Definitely, and I think mm-hmm. some of it's for sure, but at the yeah, same some time, of some of it's deserved. Some people need to. If there's obviously people around that are dangerous that are truly harming other people, they don't need to fucking be around. That's just simple, plain point cut as it is until they can stop those behaviors or be held accountable for whatever behaviors they've done or vice versa, whatever it may be. Definitely. Yeah, I think we all probably agree on that. So, um, oh. what? Oh, um, I was going to say, definitely agree with you. There's just been, uh, like, I feel like most bands, like, coming out lately, especially bands, that I've liked, I haven't even on purpose, but just usually have women with in them where we were listening to, I forget the name of that podcast is Distorted Sound or something. I I think it's a British podcast name, just get all of this. They're bands with like women or with a girl in a band and we were on one of them, but I heard so many like bands and a lot of them like friends of ours, like Optimal Crime, and then like one of my favorite bands right now, Chew, who's from Chicago, and I. Yeah, they're my. Yeah, they're my. They're they're like, she's some of my best friends. I knew everybody in that band except Doris, when I lived in Florida, because that's where everybody else is originally from. The Chicago transplants from Florida. Oh, really? Um, except for Doris, who's originally from here. But Doris became one of Margot, my partner, my girlfriend, and my best friends here. We, like, hang out with Doris and kick with her quite a bit. She's just a she's just good-hearted, big-hearted person that, you know, she. I don't even know what the future of Chew is going to be. I don't want to get too much into that. I've heard some things from Doris. But, you know, I think Doris kind of came from, you know, she worked with Jonna, their drummer. Or Yana, however you want to say his name, Jonah, Jonah, um, and uh, you know, she was really into rudimentary penai and stuff like that. But I don't even think she ever originally wanted to be in a band. I think it was something like Jonah kind of dragged her into. Was like, you need this emotional outlet. Do this band. Do this band. And she was like, okay, you know what I mean. I, but she told she Doris has told me very many a times. She likes observing. She doesn't really like being the center of attention. She feels like sometimes when she's in a band that she is the center of attention. You know what I mean? Like all eyes are on her. All eyes I, are on her. Her, and I don't I, want to speak for Doris, but that's just kind of been our conversations. 
Fair enough. Okay. And I understand that it's nice in Slut Bomb, at least, that I can take a step back and play guitar and not be in the middle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <clears throat> um, and yeah, I was even like, I guess we got to address some of that, but it was kind of cool. I was talking, I did a podcast episode a while ago with Carly from Snuff, and yeah, and I kind of asked her, and it was something I was going to ask Dale, but I just kind of got on it. Like, you know, sometimes what, you know, not anybody else where they're born, not like any band should have focus more on it because of it, but yeah, sometimes I wonder what it's just like, you know, for being a female and sometimes a fucking boys club, and I hate to say that word, but sometimes some shit does seem like like it's a boys club, and, you know, Carly from Snuff has some good things to say about it, but kind of wanted to get Deborah's perspective on on those things. Um, I don't know, you know, some guys. I guess it's hard to kind of answer or say all the time, too, right? You're right, yeah. I guess. It's... And, like, it is something yeah. that I think about, but... It's also changing. It is also changing, definitely changing. But... Oh, very much so, I think, for the, I think for the better, which is a good... Which is a good thing. I mean, I've seen more. I've seen more bands of females and people of color, and it's more than I ever have. Not that, like I said earlier, not that anybody can help where they come from. That should put in, that should put more limelight on anything else's creativity more than anybody else's. But yeah, support, but still support your females and people of color and fucking punk rock and DIY and whatever. You know. That's mm, what I- I, I think we've we're just getting a big mix of things. There's so many punk bands with so many like different people in it. Like some of like my favorite releases this year have had like women and people of color and like LGBT members like Gay Panic Defense and um, Wrath and Gulch and um, fucking yeah, Jew. Yeah, one of my one of my favorite. Emo's bands from Chicago. I don't know if they put themselves in that category, post hardcore or whatever. Bands, two of them from here have females in them. One called uh, one called Slow Mass, where my my friend Mercedes she plays bass in that band. Our friend Dave calls does guitar and vocals and some other people. And then there's a band where a really good screamo post-hardcore band from here called Indisposed with like girl plays bass and does vocals in it. So yeah, you're seeing it a lot more, which is which is good. We have some we have some other great hardcore bands from here like Snuffed and really things have females in them too. Oh yeah, a lot of people. It's hard to even keep up with Chicago. There's so many goddamn bands that come out of it. Oh bad. I feel like so many of my favorite releases this year were Chicago bands. When Fib um, did their album release there in like February, this band called Splitting Heads opened for them. And God, they just ripped. They were the first band that played, and I'm glad I got there. Yeah, we, we, yeah, I saw you up there. We're all up there. I think that was actually probably one of the last shows I got a see of last year, I think, to think about it. Either that or American Nightmare and Ceremony. I don't know. Yeah, Which I think one? I maybe. One? I, yeah, I think I maybe played one show after that. 
when it was pretty much yeah yeah pretty much nothing uh ice ball bomb hasn't played a show since february no it's it's been about 10 months Uh, and speaking of slut bomb the next thing i wanted to ask where'd the name slut bomb come from how that name come about so i knew that i wanted the word slut in it because i like the word slut I'm bisexual, so I've been called a slut a lot in my day. Um, so yeah, I wanted fuck, to fuck, fuck, fuck people for calling people that, but yeah, oh, but, if yeah. It's used as a positive, but if it's used in a positive way, it's cool, yeah. you know. Like, Take back. <laughs> Take back. So I mean. we just to toss words back and forth with slut. One of us said slut bomb, and we went with it. I guess yeah. like a slut bomb is like kind of a slur. We didn't find this out until like years later, like that people would like say it just, you know, just like saying shitty things about somebody called a slut, but I've never heard that as anything besides like our band name yeah. since. So. And the, uh, yeah, well, you know, there's, uh, there's, there's some reasons I walked away from like a lot of the shit that went on in hardcore because unfortunately you have a lot of men talking about women in unneeded ways and that shit. And I'm just like, fuck you. You're, you know, I'm not saying everyone, but you have, and I'm not going to judge hardcore as a whole because I know there's a lot of beautiful, positive people in it, but there was just like a lot of like kind of suburban male kids who would, I'd be like, oh, that girl's a slut or whatever and shit like that, talking about some girl up at the show, and I'd be like, fuck you. It's nice that my, uh, I guess, age persona is so, like, I don't know, tough, because nobody ever has the guts to say shit like that to me in person, especially, like, Most people don't have the guts to say shit in person. That's why these kids would talk shit behind some girl behind her back, and and they and I yeah. hear them, and I'd be like, fuck you. Fuck you, because most people don't have the guts to say anything to anybody else's face. Oh, yeah, people should definitely say shit. But uh, I have definitely been called, mostly just called fat on the internet, but that's the worst. That's the worst thing that's happened, and it's uh Well, just like, re, just like Refuse says, fuck your standards of beauty by your beauty magazines and society by its social schemes. So fuck that and fuck fuck anybody who body shames anybody else too, too in my opinion. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. But that's like, it's I I feel like that's something that nobody cares about. My, like par- my, 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 my partner struggles with stuff where she doesn't always feel like you know she's always best in shape to society standards, and I tell her, don't let that shit fuck with you. Fuck society standards like magazine beauty. Standards that shit's so fucking dumb. Mm-hmm. I, think I, fin- think- I think she's finally getting it, and I think society. I think even society's doing better at making better strides towards that stuff too. Thank fucking goodness. I would say definitely, yeah. But there's just, and especially as a woman, a lot of brainwashing that even I have been through. I had. I don't want to say an eating disorder, but definitely some disordered eating when I was a teenager and problems with that kind of stuff. And it's literally brainwashing from the day that you're fucking born to the day that you stop watching TV. You're going to see this 
advertisement telling you that you're fat and ugly and you look like shit and you should spend money mm-hmm. on this, those things. And once you kind of realize the scheme behind it all, it's all just, once again, capitalism and money, um, then you can kind of break free from that. But it still takes years. It takes a long time. Mm-hmm. So still get there, but it does take a long time. And that's nice to mm-hmm. Those are things we can talk about. Those are things that we can kind of push. And that is like a cool thing about like punk and hardcore for sure that you just see a very wide range of size of people. Like there is never like a punk, like a punk band or like a hardcore band where you're like really into them just because like somebody's like pretty, like it's never that somebody's pretty. It's just that it's, are fucking sick. Yeah, well, and I think uh, sometimes we have to have hard conversations or really good conversations to have with each other. Like, I, I remember, like, I would come up here before I ever lived in Chicago, back when I lived in Kansas City, up here for, like, hardcore punk shows. And I remember when there was these two bands in Chicago that opened my eyes to a lot of even, like, aggressive kind of political stuff. One was called a band called Extinction. Guys went on to be in, like, Hope Conspiracy and Suicide File, but they were vegan, straight-edge, very anti-capitalistic, very pro-environment, um, you know, from, like, lyrics, like, shut down in cities of filth, forced to live in this decay of buildings that are going to collapse. Like, so it's such a good lyric. But then there's, um, but anyways, there's bands like Extinction, and there's, I don't know what I was getting at, what was I saying here, but, yeah, oh, there's a band called Race Trader from here, and they're back mm-hmm. together now. But that band was one of the most confrontational bands I've ever seen because the thing is not a white dude. He's, he's, his family's Middle Eastern, you know what I mean? And, like, some of the people in the band were white, but the name came from certain people denied their white heritage. were basically race traders, you know, were trading on their race saying, fuck white motherfuckers and stuff. So, but that band was that band was confrontational. That band was really confrontational, even with the audience. You'd like call people out in the audience or fucking challenge people even in the audience to ideas. And that's what they were that's what they were known for. At one point at one point in Chicago, I'm gonna tell you all this, hardcore was not fun. It wasn't like where you have weekend matches and snuff and all these fun power violence bands. It was very serious. Like everyone was very serious and very aggressive. Now things have changed. Some of the serious people are still very serious, like people in race trader, but they've come down a little. They aren't as I don't think they're up as in many people's faces as they used to be when they were young. Mm-hmm. And stuff. But it, it just you know, it just it's kind of um shows though, like but I think at the same time, punk's always meant to have a little fun to it, too, because it's always been kind of an outlet for us all to go to get away from the rest of this fucking world that we sometimes can't stand to be in, or it's so fucking, I don't know, I don't know how to use the words to describe this describe this I, world. Oh, no, I, no, I completely understand what you're saying, and definitely... But for a while, hardcore was not fun. It was very confrontational and very aggressive and very, especially in the 90s. 90s was a was a very a very 
aggro point in hardcore. Mm-hmm. Cincinnati, definitely. I didn't see, like, pretty much any of it just because when I started going to shows, it was after a lot of that. But I've had a lot of friends tell me about just, the, like, a really, like, aggro scene in the 90s, especially in hardcore. And that was, like, I think kind of the split between, like, hardcore and punk. That's kind of a lot of the yeah. reason that I wasn't into, like, the hardcore scene. Like, I had a lot of, like, punk friends, but, like, a lot of the hardcore scene and the straight-edge scene bugged me out just because of how, like, aggro and macho was. Honestly, it wasn't until, like, I had come you know, to... I mean, I, I, did come, I, did, I did... I mean, I came from punk rock, got into hardcore a little bit more when I was, like... I mean, I'm still vegetarian, um, but, you know, when I was, like, vegetarian and straight-edge and... I mean, for me, I'm working towards veganism. I'm more vegan than more or less now. But uh, for for me, like, I, I, I even took shit serious probably in the 90s because I was like, look, I live in this world I fucking despise and I fucking hate and I can't stand all this shit I see around. I was angry. I was an angry, I was an angry fucking kid. Kid, I was ready to snap at anyone at any fucking time at any time just because of all the standards of capitalism, all the shit you have to see in this world. And you thought everybody, and, you didn't, you, you, and it took me forever to realize, like, cause you thought everybody was, else was against you, so you would end up just getting in a fight with someone, with someone to look at you the wrong way, and you'd be like, oh, you're fucking yuppie, and then the next day you know you're in a fight with this person, person or something, and it was pretty aggro, but it took me forever to realize the world isn't against you, it just doesn't fucking care. Yeah, and I mean, it's but it's hard to not know that, especially when you're a kid and when you're so young, going wrong. When you're young, I'm, you're supposed to see in your eyes and open your eyes to. And I think our surroundings have a lot of influence on all of us too. You have certain people in your life that turn you on to different ideologies and certain things. I mean, I definitely had people got me into hardcore. I was like I said, more of a punk kid doing food, not bombs. But then mm-hmm. this met this straight-edge vegan Spock rock haircut kid. It was more in like Screamo, but he, you know, I was at a point where people in the Screamo liked hardcore and there was no separations because the late 90s, early 2000s is a little different era than it is now. Any, oh, yeah. Anyways, you didn't have as many of the labels going around. It was all just considered punk rock, you know what I mean? I mean, mm-hmm. then there was and- You know, everything that was like Screamo, Everything that was like on the certain side of hardcore was considered punk rock. Everything else was almost considered hardcore if it was too tough, too tough, because that's where the hard and the core came into it. You know what I, I mean, unfortunately. Yeah, and there's like a lot of like, there's definitely the way to. I mean, I'm not saying there's anything, there's, there's nothing wrong with being vulnerable. There's nothing wrong with being vulnerable and letting your emotions show in this world, but I'm not going to say there's anything wrong with being tough in this world either because sometimes if you're not tough in this world, the world will run you down if you don't know where you and stand. And it, it's, it's hard to be. But at the same time, it's okay to cry, and I found it's okay to cry and be weak too. You don't have to be tough all the goddamn fucking time. Who really wants to live in a world where you have to be tough all the time? I think you're a better person if you can be at both extremes when you need to be. 
Yeah, for sure. Yeah. If you try to be tough all the time, it's impossible. Eventually, you will break. You will break yourself. You will break down completely. And oh, yeah. Mechanism, but you got to know when and how to be vulnerable and when not to be. And I think that weirdly connects to kind of how, like, a lot of hardcore is now because I think now people are learning to deal with things better. I think we have a lot less aimed, like, straight white male macho going into it, and you have all of these different people who deal with things in all of these different ways. So you have a lot of anger, but you also have a lot of people talking about their emotions, <laughs> trying to understand it. And I think that's one well, I think reason. The, and I think even some of the white male, straight up white male, like even tougher guys are getting more understanding too, or beginning to even oh, yeah. open their eyes open their eyes a little bit more so it's a good so it's a good thing it's a good thing mm-hmm. i it it's a good thing and it's um becoming good there's more good bands as much as this year was terrible because i barely got to see any bands i've heard so many good releases i usually don't even have like i have trouble putting a top 10 together and i've had trouble putting together less than like a top 30 this year and but yeah things uh, uh, things are only improving and only making me happier. Yeah, I don't even participate in those top things myself because it's like I've released a lot of releases I love because I wouldn't release them if I didn't like it. Then there's a lot of other artists that have released stuff I love, and then I like a lot of stuff from all over the map. So it's almost like anytime I do one of those lists, I feel like, oh, I'm going to disclose one of my friends here, and then I'm going to hear about it, and that friend probably did put out one of my favorite records it just slipped my brain brain because it was yeah. earlier in the year and i've listened to so much other shit but i guess there's some bands i'm like yeah that's probably my some of my favorite releases of this year because like usually your favorite releases are probably some you go back and listen to continuously throughout the year so definitely and i mean but it's but it's cool and there's definitely a lot of things i heard this year that i know i'm gonna still be listening to next year but especially because there'll be things i'll finally be excited to like be alive finally excited to like hopefully get to experience like i really dug like my wall uh good doom band put out um an album called mine that gulch album and that bib album are both yeah I like the Gold's of Bib record, too. Fuck yeah, those are both really good. And, yeah, Gold's mm-hmm. has a lot of hype behind them, but I guess the hype's well deserved. They've been working hard at it. And, you know, I guess things from California always get a little bit more hyped up than other parts of the country. Oh, yeah, but, I mean, just... Anyway, um, California's, just so, California's just so massively populated and can support, like, punk and hardcore to turn rights in so many ways. On its own, that's why, you know, you don't even have a lot of bands sometimes from California to even tour out of there because they're like, why are we even tour when we already live in one of the best places for this shit? It's kind of <laughs> yeah, the, the attitude of the Wait, voice. Some bands who want to work at it, and there are a good amount of bands there, but I mean, it, it's it's a bummer. But I think I think just more bands from the Midwest and around need to tour i think more bands need to go out farther and show them that there's a lot of good reasons to come and i think 
you know, there's been barely any bands, at least from Cincinnati. I know Chicago's got a decent amount of bands who tour all the time, but like a lot of punk and hardcore bands who won't go like past like Texas. And if you do, you get to play a lot of really cool shows and meet a lot of cool people. It's hard to tour the U.S. for sure. I like had a car with a car payment and wrecked my van helping my friend move. And now I owe like, I don't know, like still three grand on that car or something. And I'm going to have to get another van before we can tour again, whenever that is. But, you know, it's Ooh. worth it. Just you get to experience a lot of different stuff. And not only that, you get to show those other people that like we can do it just as hard and just as fast in the Midwest and that they should come see how it is out here. Yeah. And, and also, yeah. And, um, you know, um, Jeff, my noise partner, uh, he's, you know, you guys know, I think Slut Bobby, you all played at this other band, Chalked Up, before, which is probably the changing name. I don't know what's going on with them right now. But, um, but anyways, like, Jeff Jeff was, like, they were going down a while ago to, like, like, New Orleans and Alabama and, Memphis and Jeff so was like, this is going to fucking suck. I hate the South. This is going to be so shitty. I need to go to the South. And I was like, keep an open mind to it that I live down in the South. The South is pretty cool. Then Jeff comes back and he's like, all oh, this shows ruled. Everyone fucking ruled and stuff. And I was like, see, told you what happens when you keep an open mind. Keep exactly. an open mind. Happened to us. You should actually tell this story. Oh, too. wait, what? Sorry, my phone. Oh, just when we went to when we toured the south the first time oh just the whole i mean i mean, um, I mean we, can, we can go back and forth on it if okay. you want oh okay well so like the first tour that slop bomb did we just like went straight south like we went to like as far as like louisiana and we came back up and we're just fully expecting the racist terrible wrath of the south you know and just because like we expect, but we go down there and we had the best fucking time. We met some of the nicest people I've ever met in my entire life. Southern mm-hmm. hospitality, real, and it's beautiful. Yes, um, it's some, some of the most fun we've ever had. Oh, I loved playing in both Baton Rouge and New Orleans. Like the cities who like treated us like wonderfully we played a house show in like a college part of town and some of the guys like stripper friends came and like there was a donation bucket going around and they were just filling it was that when you were in Baton Rouge like is that when you were in the Baton Rouge area um uh, that was in New Orleans um I think there's like yeah, I think there's like a kind of college town in New Orleans or like near. I wasn't exactly sure what part of town it was. It's a neighborhood in New Orleans, but a more college neighborhood. I don't really remember. Yeah, I I know. The show in Baton Rouge is crazy too, though. Is that like a barcade and we played outside and there was like that shit ton of people there and everybody was having a good time. It was crazy. And some of those like fed us. Some of those small Midwest towns are the best are like the southern towns because it's like everybody in the town just goes to everything uh one of my old bands played a show in like binghamton new york and they have a really tight really good scene um my friend paul does ratnik's records 
and okay. they, my old band, my old band played Beans in New York, but we played a house show. We played a house show. It was like one of our friends that was living there put on. Okay, hell yeah, so is, yeah. They have a wonderful like grindcore scene, and his band Street Feet like super good. Um, but yeah, it's just like. And it was just crazy to see so many people there in such a small town. They were like, yeah, these are just all of our friends. This is just where we've lived. And so everybody comes to everything. And it's like, and so it's really cool. Like we've had awesome times playing like really good house shows in St. Louis and my um, other band. Did you, did, you, did you meet, did you meet my friend in New Orleans? His name's Levi Thompson. He plays in a band called Cross. From, um, from New Orleans? It's very possible. I, I don't remember off the top of my head. I don't even know. Yeah, I just know. Oh, we like, I don't know a lot of people in New Orleans. I know him and I know, like, I know the Val homies. Those are pretty much my New Orleans extent of friends right there. Definitely. But Yeah, but even Alabama, like, yeah, you. I mean, I did a, I did a podcast episode of Josh from Heel Turn, which I don't know if you heard Heel Turn from Alabama. I don't kind of like kind of like a dark hardcore thing mixed with noise, but they do a lot of stuff with uh, Yellow Hammer Press there, which is like stuff that fights for LGBTQ plus rights in the South, basically. Hell yeah! And, Hell yeah! And stuff and like. Yeah, Josh says living in Alabama, it's definitely a struggle because you're still outnumbered. There's still still more good old boys than it is people who are free thinkers. But he says it's getting better, especially like he was in he was in Huntsville, so he says it's pretty pro- progressive there. But he even talked about it in the podcast, like he's like he's like I want people to come to the South. I think the South gets a bad. He's like I think the South gets a bad rep, but he's like we'll show you a good time down here, and he's like. He's like, how's the South ever going to get better or get more progressive if everybody who's progressive just leaves it and moves up north or moves someplace else that's more right. progressive? And he's like, some people yeah. who are progressive thinkers need to stick around and put up the fight for the change mm-hmm. that needs to be done, done or else where the fuck are we going to get to? And also, that just means that the people there are going to go way harder than we are. The you know, the more progressive your city is, the easier you're going to have it to some extent. And especially going places where your friends and your comrades are outnumbered and helping them and trying to you know, the more you come there, the more you can influence something good, or at least I I can hope. Yeah, it's. Um... Yeah, I lived in the South. Like, yeah, I, I lived in I lived in Dayton, Daytona Beach, Florida, Atlanta, Georgia, and Chattanooga, Tennessee. All three of those places. Oh wow! And the South is a, yeah, the South is a very is a very interesting is a very interesting place. I would say, but there's a there's a lot of kids for anybody maybe listening to this podcast or thirsty for bands to come down there when this when shows start back up. So hit up people in the South and I can't say enough Chattanooga. If you guys, I don't know if you ever played there, but play, uh, play, uh, Sluggo's North, which is their vegetarian cafe. It does punk and hardcore shows or Antarctica house, which is my friend, my old friend, Tom is a old school punk anarchist. He sold the, you know, that band from the early eighties from Michigan called the fix. Um, I don't think I've heard of them. 
like they had a person of color, black dude that sung in the band, but just like raw hardcore band from Michigan, very unknown just because it was the early eighties and it wasn't focuses on places like DC and New York mm-hmm. and stuff. But my friend Tom, yeah, he he were he lived in the house with some of those people from the fix and they said at points this is during the Reagan administration in Michigan. So he's like we had no running electricity, water. At times we were dirt poor. And he's like, but yeah, anyways, he, he's he's ran a house that's like one of the longest lasting probably punk rock houses in the United States called Antarctica House, Anarchist House, and but it's called Antarctica. And uh, hell yeah, and Chattanooga. And then there's also a vet, those books shows up at this vegetarian cafe, and there's a manager there called uh, Sluggo's North. And Chattanooga mm, is pretty damn cool. Surprisingly, I was quite surprised. There's actually a lot of cool stuff going, like a lot of people have like political mindsets down there that were wanting, like you said, to fight against the conservative shit that's going on. Mm-hmm. But, um, and that, that's just the, but yeah, that's just the reason it's good to, like, it's good to explore. It's good to, to see the world. It's definitely something we hope we can do more. We've been lucky enough to have friends who were able to help us in Australia and we got to tour there for a couple of weeks and that was incredible. I had a really good time there and or, I mean, we all did. It, it was, it was I, I think the first time like any of the four of guys went to Australia. That's fun. fucking cool. Oh yeah. Cool. Our friends a band they used to be in uh, Strawberry Fist Cake before they broke up but now they're they have separate separate band, Seven Margaritas and Dick Laser. Dick Laser. And but um a mix from Seven Margaritas just we played with them so many times in America and he helped us book a tour and it was really cool. We got to play pretty much like a lot of the more populated area is along like the east coast of Australia. But it was nice. We left in the winter so we got there. It was summer. People were incredibly hospitable. A lot of the bands were really good we got to play a cool like outside fest in uh, yeah yeah, in sydney that's cool so yeah but yeah there definitely needs to be there you know there definitely needs to be bands going to places where there is definitely a struggle going on for human rights and people's rights like the south i feel i feel those are the places where punk is sometimes needed to most even before my friend Josh from Heel Turn, uh, before he, you know, before he lived in Huntsville and had this band, you know, he had another band called Dead Heroes. Unfortunately, one of our good friend Jake's their drummer died. A drunk driver ran him off the road on a mountain overpass one night too young, and that was really hard on Josh. I mean, Josh almost mm. dropped completely out of punk and hardcore, almost walked away from it. After that, he wasn't even he walked away from it for like five years just because he couldn't be at shows because it was just too much of an emotional place for him to be at brought up too many memories. But they came from a small town. It was all Republican, all Trumpville, USA, and Alabama up on the side of the mountain. They did punk hardcore shows up there and opened young people's minds to new ideas all the goddamn time. And if we don't have that shit going on, what's the point of this shit? Then I feel something. Exactly. We could be preaching 
to the choir 90% of the time, but, you know, and it's good. It's good to be around the like-minded people, but it's also good. It's good to challenge things. It's good not only because you can learn something, but if you, if somebody can get something from it, then I, I think that's like, that means more to me than anything. Well, I mean, Josh told me there'd be some kids that grew up around some Republican shit their whole lives that never even heard these viewpoints or heard anything like what they were talking about before when he would, like, politically speak about a song or some Dead Heroes was going. And I was like, yeah, that's a fucking good thing because you're now changing someone, someone's ideology to a degree from if they could just have learned that Republican shit and follow it in their parents' footsteps or else they could maybe learn something new and choose a different path. Yeah, I mean, I had never heard of, like, punk or hardcore. I just, for so long, I was just so surprised with all of the terrible things that went on in the world, and I was so surprised people didn't talk about it. And I guess I was even more surprised when I found that a lot of people did talk about it. I didn't grow up with it. A lot of that I found was on the internet. And I, like, I think my dad had like a Metallica cover CD and they did like a discharge and a misfit song. And that's probably the first like punk song I'd ever heard. But other than that, like I didn't really know what it was. And I guess the grow up having the internet was cool because I was able to find it. But then like Debbie's, brother was into punk so you just like you're able to grow up with it which is incredible which is yeah. cool. like i went to my show when i was like 11 just you know it's just always kind of yeah. my life. but i still i grew up in a real rural town as well surrounded by a lot of republicans and you know just terrible people but at least i had yeah, my was more aggressive mm-hmm. I- yeah, I have them in my family, too. I grew up in Missouri and Kansas area, Kansas City, like, kind of back and forth, and it's notoriously conservative sometimes down down there. So, like, I had an you know, I don't know. I had an uncle who got me playing bass guitar. He now plays keyboards and tool again, I think, and he was in Guns N' Roses for a while. I don't tell a lot of people in punk this because they'll laugh at it. But he was the first person to ever show me. He's the first person to ever show me Mursbow, Buzzcocks, Joy Division, New Order when I was young. But I just don't think I understood it at the time. At that, at that point, until later on in life, what it really was, I had to discover all that shit on my own. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the type of music he plays has never been his thing. But he, or, or the music he plays now is not really his type of thing. He's blessed for the opportunities, but he's pretty much. You know, he does. He goes where 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 there's work that needs to be done. And he grew up with Danny from Tool out in Kansas City area, so they were always just really good friends. And then my uncle went out there to install recording studios in L.A. and did a bunch of like Nancy Sinatra, Dr. Dre, other people worked for Axl Rose for forever, and ended up getting suckered into playing getting Guns and Roses. And my uncle didn't want to do that, but he was like, I damn, this shit is not my thing at all, but I guess sometimes you go where a paycheck is, I guess, in this world. Oh, the yeah, world that's one. what... And he said he's still with Black Bull for the opportunity. Like, I got to play music for a living. I'm thankful for that opportunity. How many people can say they actually get to play music for a living? 
Oh yeah, and it's it's cool. It's something that makes a lot of people really happy. I definitely don't think so I found this from a lot of ours. So my mom, bless her soul, she uh raised me single. My dad was kinda of not in the life, struggled a lot. She was an art high school teacher, so she never made up she never made a whole lot in life. Um, but you know, between my uncle and her, I have found a lot of people who do what they love for a living. What they love does begin to wear on them, like they have to take a time away from it. Because my uncle didn't even want to play music for a while after he recently left Guns N' Roses. It was a couple of years, and I guess he started playing keyboards and tool again or whatever. But he didn't want to, he didn't want to be around it because it wears you down so much. You're doing this every night of your life, and you're dealing with. And some people in these things, you have to understand, you're dealing with somebody like Axl Rose, like, he probably has a little bit of an ego. You know what I oh. mean? He's probably, he's probably a little bit on the rock star mentality side, even though he does talk shit on Trump, and it seems like he does have a lot of politics that I could agree with. He, so I've seen Axl be like, fuck Trump, that dude's a Nazi from his stuff. And so obviously he's aware of what's going on too, but it's kind of like, you know, when you do something you love for a living, it can wear on you. And I think that's a lot of people say that. So do what you love because of your passions. That's what I tell people. Maybe listening to this podcast. And if the money does somehow come along with it, yes, great. But unfortunately, it's all money too. Cause we, but we, unfortunately, we live in capitalism is what I was going to say. It's unfortunate. Oh, yeah, definitely. Pardon. And money's nice and money makes things easier, but ultimately we'd be better without it. Fortunately, slump um, is, or may, maybe not fortunately, I don't think it's ever something we'll make money from or, or something <laughs> that, will, that will be working. Uh, we won't be doing any of the Roses World Tours anytime soon, but I'm, no, but I, I don't think I don't. I don't think. I don't think. I don't think any of us are going to be doing any Guns N' Roses World Tours anytime soon. Mm-hmm. But I, think, it, I think that's a little bit off the plate for. I think it's a little bit off the plate for our breed. Maybe not my mm-hmm. uncle, but for our breed. But at the same time, you know, I it definitely was appreciated and everything. We got to, you know, we're not making money doing it. We're just doing it for fun, and that's doing it for fun and you know we get we get something out of it and i think that means more than anything else and if other people benefit exactly. from it too that's awesome well that's what my uncle said that's what my uncle would say and he's like that's the beautiful part about you making noise he's, he's a sense guy he's done like a lot of synthesizer designs for our toy and cord even and he looks on a lot of big projects but he's like that's awesome part about noise is my attracted to it in the first place because people obviously do because they love it because there isn't any fucking money and most people can't stand the shit so obviously it has to be done for somebody who really fucking enjoys it enjoys it yeah so um um what else was i gonna what else was i gonna say in this one sec i had to put all my mask under the hole in the building one sec um oh I was gonna ask, so um, yeah, what what whatever got you, whatever opened your all's for Deborah and you, whatever opened uh, your all's Pandora's box to music in the first place, or punk rock or music in general. I guess Deborah kind of said her brother was a big 
was a big fan of punk rock. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. He, like, he really liked, like, ska punk and shit like that. So it wasn't Dude, you know, like... Well, that was the first shit I was ever... That was the first shit I was ever into was ska punk, like, Link 80 <laughs> and Skank and Pickle. Yep. <laughs> really it, like, you know, all that stuff. And, of course, I found out about the specials and the real shit down right. the line, like the tradition. Like the, and I still love a lot of that stuff. Uh, anybody who wants to talk shit on that or me for liking that, go ahead. I'll, I'll, I'll admit it. What was, what was that Operation Ivy song that we covered, like, when we first started the band? Um, uh, uh, Jaded? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah we, we, we played Jaded for a while, and... It, just because just would shit listen to that shit on repeat all the time. I loved Operation Ivy. That was like when we first met. Oh yeah, like Jesse. Uh, I mean, I still, I, I still, I still, I still love Off Ivy, and I, you know, Rancid was one of the early punk bands I got into early, so I always have a special place in my heart for uh, an outcome to Wolf's by Rancid. Never. I like maybe it was just me, but I could like never get into them nearly as much as Operation Ivy. Like the thing is, I no, started I with as a kid. But I think I think actually, I think Rancid um, is one of the things that you know. Unfortunately, it was one of the early things that even got me probably it probably into uh, probably into a lot of the shit because I had a friend in high school who was. So, I was like talking to my friend about like the first like. Oh, I was telling one of my neighbors I'm outside smoking a cigarette on a KC native because they had a KC hat. Yeah, <laughs> I told somebody with a Kansas City hat. Sorry for the people listening to the podcast for the interruption. <laughs> but yeah, so that was yeah, so like, oh. Uh, do you and what was your what whatever got you playing an instrument, Daryl? What was your first instrument you picked up, and who got you playing it, or how did that come about? Oh, um, that was guitar. Like I, I oh well, I guess technically, <laughs> I took saxophone lessons when I was in like seventh or eighth grade, and I just hated it. I didn't have any fun. I didn't play in like band or anything. I and I would like do all the stuff at the end of the book. And then, like, I had a teacher, and he would, like, try to get me to, like, just go along with it, but it was boring, and it didn't work. And then my dad gave me a guitar, and he gave me, he wanted to, like, buy me a right-handed guitar, and he never had the money for it. So he just gave me one of his old left-handed guitars, and he was like, I guess you're just going to learn how to do that way. And that sucks, because left-handed instruments are insanely expensive, or at least more expensive than right-handed instruments a little bit. But at the same time, it was cool, you know, I gave it that to me when I was 14, and I'm 26 now, so I've been playing guitar for like 12 years, and it's pretty much been my main instrument. I like a lot of other instruments. I had an accordion for a couple of years, and I'll play keyboard here and there, but like, I definitely can't play anything well. I'll play bass sometimes, too, um, but I haven't in a little bit. What? Uh, yeah. Oh, you said you haven't played bass for a while? Uh, yeah, like like I have one. Um, and I had an old band that I played bass in. And then in Jeffrey Donger, there are a couple songs that the bass player would sing on. And so she would hand me her bass, and I would just flip it upside down and play it. 
but other than that, like, I pretty much just, yeah, just mainly play guitar and bands, which is good. I mean, that's what Swapom needed at the time. Yeah. And yeah. just stuff. Yep. And how did, um, what else was I going to say? Oh, I was going to ask you um, something about Jeffrey Donner. Maybe say, tell some people about that project, too. Oh, um, so that's a band me and my friend Dalton started a couple years ago, and it was really just like at the time he had a band with Debbie called Waterhead, they, like they were playing rock and roll music and I wanted to play something harder, and neither of us really knew how to play like grindcore or power violence, and so it's just kind of like... And it was just when we were first getting into it, like when I was first listening to like, I don't know, like Charles Wilson and Infest and stuff, we were listening to Spaz all the time. And that's yeah. kind of what all it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And at the time I knew Jesse um, from a show, one of the old bands had played in like Louisville. I met her there, but I found out she lived in Cincinnati. And then my friend Adam, he's originally from Middletown, but then he moved to Cincinnati and he's been in a ton of other really good and and then uh, yeah we um so i just hit both of them up they were down to do it and it it took oh it took a while there for a while i didn't have a car and like jesse would pick the um pick everyone up and come over to our house and there for a while i had a car they didn't and i would be picking everyone up and it was just a band that kind of came together the jeffrey Don thing is play on that song donger yeah and i and i love i love you guys to split with death run from here which i will have cam on an episode soon oh yeah definitely yeah, death run, an incredible band deserve oh, yeah. it's incredible people too i love everybody in that band i just love every all all just nice down there with people and I, but I really think like Chicago and like the surrounding areas. I know Death Run's from Joliet, but you guys just have a really yeah. They claim that they actually claim they actually claim Joliet, just like Demo Side and Martha's got a Olympus claim Brookfield. They're actually very about claiming where they're from and not actually saying Chicago, even though it's part of the Chicago metro area. Mm-hmm. I and I think I think it's really specific. We've kind of changed where Swapoms live a lot like Debbie's originally from closer to Akron and then at the time when Swapom first started the drummer the original drummer of Swapom lived in Mansfield and the original bass player lived in um lived in Akron as well and then I lived in like northern Kentucky at the time. Oh, no, that was even before. Yeah, yeah, that's when I lived with, like, my grandparents, like, Milford or something, so it's like, I didn't know what to say. I, I just would say we were an Ohio band, you know? Yeah. Um, Akron, huh? Um, what's Akron? There was a DIY space, like, up there. I forget what, it's called, what, what it was called. It was, like, some art gallery DIY space. I forget what it was called. Uh, hive mind. Yeah, hive mind. That was exactly what I was thinking of uh, because I knew, 
I knew more screamo band that would play there, and they were going to hook my old screamo band up there, but it never we never ended up going through there. Uh, you know that band City Cop from there? Have you ever heard of them? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, from the Akron area, kind of like usually an acoustic guitar, drummer, and vocalist screamo, but like all the guitars acoustic, but the drums are still very intense on the vocals. They're still very intense. It's, they're a very interesting band. Um, Akron's yeah. got a lot of interesting stuff going on. Like, it's a small city, but like you were saying earlier about kind of poorer places, like people from Akron just have a little bit of grit. Like, they're just a little bit, I don't know, I, a little a little tough, but... Yeah, like, um, uh, I mean, they're all pretty hard to get. Well, I mean, a lot of Ohio was kind of been the rust belt a little tough, whether it be Akron or Youngstown or those places, right? Right or Cleveland, all those places can be wired a little, a little tough. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's, but it's good. It's um, a lot of our friends are from there. When I was like 18, I had a friend who lived up there and anytime I would go and visit her, I would get to see a lot of local shows there. And that's just when I was first starting to go to shows. So it was nice to see like a different city's local scene and try to convince bands from up there to come and play down there. And it was nice with Slough Bomb since I lived in near Cincinnati and they all lived up near Akron because we were able to play in both cities and try to make friends with people. Just recently, um, our friend, Jasmine, who does uh, Speed Bump Fest, and they put out a comp and just a benefit for mental health that they do because our um, one of our friends, Garrett Jano, died, um, had died years back. He killed himself, and they do this um or they do this festival every year and since they couldn't do a festival this year they put out like a comp and it's a really good um comp of a lot of like cleveland bands but there's also a couple like columbus and there's a band from toledo and we're on it too and well, well tell me well tell me where they get there the next time one comes out because i will get one because you know i've lost a lot of we were talking about that earlier. I've lost a lot of friends to that. I was I was in a power violence sludge band in Kansas City with Dylan, who's in that band. He's in more of that hardcore band now, Spine, I'm sure you've heard of, mm-hmm. or whatever. But I was in a band with him, and we were like, we were a weird mixed band with a couple of hardcore kids and a couple more crusty kids, so we had an odd sound. It was like power violence sludge weirdness. But our roadie, you know, he... He killed himself, and it was really hard on it was really hard on all of us because like our music wasn't even like his go-to thing. He was more into like you know stuff like hot water music and small brown bike, but he loved hanging out with us and was just our friend and supported us in every manner. And was just a real oh, yeah. friend. Oh and, and it sucked when we when we lost him to that. It was really hard on all of us. Like like I mean. I don't know how to explain it. You get a call at you get a call at two thirty AM in the fucking morning and like your band members are like, You need to come over here now, we need to talk and I'm I'm like, Why the fuck do I need to come over here? It's two thirty in the morning and they're and then one of your band members tells you what happens on the phone and you're like, Oh, I'll be over. 
and stuff, and I'll, I'll never forget that. And it was, I mean, I think it goes to the detail on a lot of this shit for people listening to this cast. Nothing's fucking permanent, not even this life. So this world will take you out itself eventually. We don't ask when we're brought in, and we don't ask when we leave unless we usually kill ourselves or take ourselves out. But just for people who are going through that, try to get some help or think about there's people who love and care about you out there, whether you realize it or fucking not. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Sometimes this, sometimes this world forgets to give the love that it should have given to people. I feel that's why it's so fucked up. And I don't know, but I think it's whether it be talking where we talked about with Josh earlier, losing his, his old drummer, one of his best friends to a car accident or, my friend Kurt to suicide or my friend Josh to suicide, whatever it may be. It's always those first ones. I think it slap you in the face extra hard when you're young, not saying anything. You, you almost build up like a callousness to this shit. You're like, yeah, death's coming. Mm-hmm. You know, one's going to be the next one. One's going to be the next friend that kills themselves or dies in some mm-hmm. way. But it, it, but it, it hurts all the time. Less. I don't know. <clears throat> Yeah, so what's that comp called? What's the compilation called? Does it have a name or anything? Oh, yeah, yeah. They just put it out a little recently. It's um, it's a 12-inch record, and it's got like uh, 14 bands on it. But it's called Speed Bump Fest, the first five. And it's just bands that played the festival the first five years of Speed Bump Fest. But um, all of the money goes back to benefit uh, Last Letter Project. And like the whole thing about it is it's okay to not be okay. And it's like it's a big thing yeah. with a lot of just a lot of different um, things and organizations that they, yeah, uh, that they use the money to benefit. But it's a really cool thing that our friends are doing, and we're really excited to be part of it. But not only that, just all of the bands, Rip, and a lot of our friends' bands, like Wall Creeper and Here Ass and Weird Penis, Trash Cat, and Rabbit Creek. Yeah, I was really, I was like, yeah, it's okay not to be okay. I, I yeah, it's, it's, it's such a true statement because, you know, and this, is, you know, it's it's funny because, like, you know, you know that bigger like screamo band Thursday or whatever. Yeah. Or I'm sure you, uh, I've always been friends with those dudes since day one, like since they were beginning and stuff. Booked some of their very first shows out west for that, then before anybody really knew who they were. But when they came back around and started doing shows again, they had these shirts that were awesome. He says it's okay not to be okay on them. And I was like, okay. yeah, they're promoting, well, yeah, they're promoting the right messages here. here definitely. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, it's been a rough year, but yeah. fortunately, I think I, I just mostly just been trying to look at the good things that have happened in 2020 and there haven't been a ton but we got to put out a really cool like seven inch split with body farm we got some of those on our band camp and they got some of it on theirs too a really cool split with automated terror machine and i was really happy steven asked us about that and it just turned out super yeah. good and we're mm-hmm. steven in baltimore, baltimore right yeah yeah he lives actually there with our uh friend scotty who's from youngstown <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, and connect. Yeah. <laughs> and where's and Slut Bomb? They're or not Slut Bomb. That's you all, but um, Body Farmer from Columbus, from Columbus, right? Yeah, 
Uh, no. Well, not technically. Yeah, it, it's like it's an area of Ohio that's kind of close to Columbus. The um, Eric and Ocean, okay. they originally lived in California and had a band called Trash, but then they moved to, to like Baltimore, Ohio, and it's yeah, it's pretty close to Columbus. And then um, their drummer um, and their bass player. They, they, they might still live in East Liverpool, which is kind of far from there for real. They're just kind of a, a mid-Ohio band. Yeah, that's what they go by. Yeah, and I don't even know a lot of Columbus bands. Like I put out a band that was from Dublin or something, which is outside of Columbus, called Prize the Doubt one time. And then there, there there's another band called For Your... Uh, for your health that I'm friends with. Oh yeah, for your health. Columbus, mm-hmm. Columbus but yeah, and I but like, and then there used to be uh, there used to be a cool crusty like band from there called uh, Memento Mori. Uh huh. From there, from the Columbus area, but I mean, yeah, I don't even know what goes on in Columbus because. What strangely is like, isn't Columbus considered Ohio's biggest city? Um, I think technically it's weird because Columbus, I feel like, like Cleveland, Cleveland was probably Cleveland and Cincinnati were probably a little bit bigger, but I imagine Cleveland's lost population over the yeah. years to certain things. Cleveland's a little desolate yeah. right now, but we're working on it. You know, they're working on it. And yeah, and we. It's, we played like a lot of places in Ohio, especially in, but usually when we play in like the Cleveland area, instead it's like Akron or Kent or we played in Canton and we we played in Cleveland before too. It's, but like, it's like, there's a, like a lot of good small cities. That's, it's a funny thing that like we've talked about before is you can easily like play a week of shows just in Ohio and barely have to drive anywhere and play to like completely different people. And but like yeah. like little areas but smaller. Yeah, um yeah, it's crazy. I, I my old band played Kent, Ohio one time with a band named My Rules, of course named after the Void song. Yeah. And and stuff, but yeah, that was a long time ago. I didn't even I know uh yeah, it's kind of weird sometimes. Um, sometimes even the smaller towns in certain states are better than the big cities. You'll find I find it's weird. It's weird. Mm-hmm. You get a closer-knit um, What were you saying, Deborah? Oh, in the smaller cities, you get a closer-knit scene. You get, at least in my experience, in the smaller cities, like being from Akron and like going to shows in like Akron and Canton and stuff, it's just... Things are just a little bit different in those smaller cities than in, like, even Cincinnati, which isn't a huge city. Yeah, but even in Cincinnati, like, we're definitely not a big city by any means, especially in comparison to, like, Chicago. But a cool-ass cool city. I had a good time, even though we had to drive through an ice storm all night. That kind of, to quad cities afterwards, it kind of sucked. But I was doing mm-hmm. our own dumb too, not figuring out a place to stay before we even came out there. But anyways, uh, we had a fun time. I thought Northside Yacht Club was even a cool-ass fucking spot. I and mean, you said you guys had any other spaces, like, underneath where you all live, right? It's kind of like a bar that does shows, right? 
Yeah, yeah, and it's and it's cool like living like close to that. And honestly, there's a lot of really good places to play in Cincinnati, and like a lot of our scenes are real close. It's just just you know some of it's divided and i think it's just because people you know people don't know each other they'll have certain places they play i don't think it's any of any certain people's fault occasionally there's a little beef between people here and there but more than anything we have like a lot of really and i think it's like I think Cincinnati, honestly, in my opinion, and for anybody listening to this podcast, has one of the best record stores in the United States called Torn Light. Oh yeah, Torn Light. If you need to get if you need to get your power violence, grind, punk, hardcore, and noise needs, especially noise, Torn Light is a very is a very good is a very good place. I have a little bit of, and I don't know. There's probably some other good record stores I would imagine there too. That probably isn't the only one. Oh yeah, they just have an incredible collection. Really good people who work there. If like that is something kind of nice about Cincinnati is we have a ton of really good record stores. There's like Corn Light and in the Clifton area of Cincinnati in Dayton there's like Blind Rage records and there's Skeleton Dust records both really good selections of like punk and hardcore and power violence and yeah Skeleton Dust is also kind of a besides running the record store is also kind of does a fest and is kind of a noise label too oh yeah definitely uh fucks around with noise. Uh, I mean, it's all noise. Uh, see, like, Eric Wood from Bastard Noise always says, noise is music. You assholes fucking get it because then people are like, what are you talking about, Eric? And then he's like, well, every song that's ever written has to start off with a sound that's a noise that you just put into compositions and write. You know <laughs> you know what I mean? So he's like, noise is music, you fucking morons. Mm-hmm. But yeah, my cousin, uh, Luke, he like he runs that store, Boston does. But then there's also like Hail Dark Aesthetics and Covington and what 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 Luke's your cousin? Yeah. Whoa, I didn't know that. I I mean I don't know Luke, but Jeff knows Luke. Um, somehow. I think it's from going through skeleton dust before and stuff. I haven't seen Luke in a few years. I would usually just him at Christmas with my family who like live in Indiana but my like uncle Oliver it's his like it's his stepbrother or maybe Oliver is my cousin it's like kind of it's it's a, a little Some weird family tie there somehow he's like a cousin or second cousin or something weird yeah exactly distant cousin or something or distant cousin or the cousin went off or something like that yeah great crazy wild world yeah um yeah ohio yeah i wouldn't yeah i liked ohio then we gotta of course we gotta play now that's class in cleveland or club Atlantis, which is the basement and now that's class but that was have you all ever played up at Now That's Class? Oh, we haven't played there, but we've been to a bunch of shows there. So many times. Now That's Class is a wonderful spot. Yeah, I like cool. it. Ohio. Ohio's cool. I like it. Um, what are some uh, 
And I always like to ask different people this um, when I'm talking because, you know, I do this podcast for communication. Oh, by the way, we talked about the word power violence earlier. Did you know it was funny? I was doing a podcast the other day. We had to redo it with um, Gabe's son that does Zeste Grande out oh, there yeah. in California, which is like one of my good friends. I actually met him in Cincinnati when my old Screamo band was on tour. We played with Kalutha Puto, who he was, the Kalutha Puto, who he was driving the Kalutha, how do you say the name, Kalutha Puto, when he was driving them around to the house called The Last House on the Left. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He has to be in Cincinnati. That's where I first met Gabe's son. But he told me the term power violence is, you know, kind of started by a little bit by Eric Wood and some of those dudes, but heavily started by like Chris Dodge and those people from Spaz. And a lot of it was started by the, we got called power violence as those dudes lived in the violent Hispanic neighborhoods of California that were poor and they saw a lot of violence. So they called the hardcore, they were playing power violence because it had a lot of violence in the background centered around it because a lot of the people came from violent neighborhoods and a lot of people don't even know that's kind of how the term power violence started. Mm-hmm. And I definitely know there's a lot of specific stuff with that. Like Slop Bomb definitely does have, have power violence songs, but I certainly wouldn't consider us like a power violence band by any means, but it's just one of, it's just one of those genres of punk, one of those subgenres that we like a lot and like to include in our music. But what I think to truly like be a power violence band, what is kind of consists of a real short breakdown that don't really ever add into a breakdown that just make people think there's almost going to be a breakdown or there's almost like a short breakdown and all this stuff where it's like under a minute long song or right around a minute long song, just fast, grindy and aggressive, almost Ether today, monster style vocals on it, or spaz style vocals, which were very influenced by Ether today. They said in the beginning, beginning, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Oh yeah, Means definitely. That. And I so kind of that war, that, that just that, you know, the war. <laughs> you know, the kind of Ray Kaplan from Ether today. Kind of yell was very influential. The power that was just done very fast and aggressive. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a big fan of like a lot of like infest stuff and that was definitely a big influence on like Jeffrey Donger and then Dalton and I have a new band called Stall and it's a big it, I was probably a bigger influence on that too just keeping but part of it is still just like still trying to write punk and hardcore songs with a ton of different kinds of parts and ideas to them but just even even shorter and even faster Sorry, that's I yeah, it was cool getting to see Infest here in Chicago. And I mean, I know Midwest Lost, we're doing a split with like Bastard Noise coming up. We have a bunch of splits coming out, but that one's exciting. But I know, I know, I know Eric doesn't like certain people from Infest or Joe from Infest for certain reasons. Well, I think there's some beef, like Joe kind of talks shit on the ways and that pissed Eric off. And then, Eric also made fun of Joe because Joe, there's some picture of Joe with like a weed leaf hat standing outside of the Escalade SUV looking like a total bro. And Eric was like, look at this bird out douchebag. It thinks he's still involved. It can be back, come back involved in being hardcore again just because his band was popular. <laughs> I don't know. But, Eric, but, but Eric, Eric's also one of my best friends now, Eric Wood, but can, you know, 
he's very opinionated and he has a strong opinion. I don't think he was totally talking shit, but he's just saying there he doesn't really get I don't think they really get along, you know what I mean? Oh yeah, fair enough. And there's so much like so when you know somebody in a band that affects it. Yeah, I don't want to put words in everybody else's mouth either, so if they're listening to this and does listen to this or something, I hope you two are cool now. Or something, I hope. All beefs get squashed at some point. I hope there was really never any beef, and I was just hearing something or thinking something in my own mind. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, know, you know, I don't want to put words in other people's mouths. I know people grow and change. For sure. To, um, yeah, and that was um, – what else did I going to ask you? So but that's the question I was kind of getting into in this. Since we have been in pandemics, and I know it's probably been slow for you guys as a band, I kind of like to ask everybody I talk to this because everybody has their opinions. Have you all picked up any new hobbies or found any new things you could suggest to other people or things you could suggest for people while we're going through this to help kind of, you know, stay sane or even stuff they can do for their own good? I always kind of like to ask people's opinions. And just everybody's kind of said something different. Some people picked up a new hobby I've talked to. Some people have some advice. I don't – there's some people like, I got no advice on this. I've, been um, I've gotten pretty into making, like, different vegan meats and cheeses because, like you, I'm a vegetarian, but kind of trying to move towards the vegan side of things because that's morally what I more agree with, but it's about, like, actually getting my lifestyle there and you know what I mean? So I've been working on making a lot of different, like, vegan meats and cheeses. I got a job at a vegan deli, like, during the pandemic. Um, I want to try some some of your vegan uh, meat cheeses, Deborah, (laughs) next time we all hang out. I will definitely make you some, for sure. (laughs) Next time you guys come to Cincinnati, you definitely have to eat at Harmony Plant Fair, too, because their food's incredible. And it's, like, it's just a vegan deli, so you just get deli sandwiches, but it's all vegan. Awesome. Yeah, I uh, yeah, I want to come to Cincinnati definitely again when this is all done. And I definitely want to also have Slut Bomb you all here for uh, Drury North Fest too whenever that gets to happen. First, I need to get the first one done, but I've already kind of started planning number two. But we won't talk about that too much on the podcast. I don't want to spoil any of the surprises. Oh, yeah. I'm getting yeah. For people. For people, I, I've been kind of pulling some even bigger names stuff for the, the second one, but I don't want to go too far into that online before it's all confirmed. But yeah, we'll, so, we, we can talk about it when the time comes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so anything you've been doing, dear? Anything else you've been doing, dear, dearly yourself? Have you been making vegan stuff or picked up any hobbies yourself too? Or some writing? I've made a little bit of it with Debbie. I I don't know. I've probably done a couple soft mods to like most of my older video game consoles just for fun. Just out of boredom, I um, tried. There's like a freeware, like 3D, um, like sculpting and like animation software called Blender, and I've been messing with it. But I need to upgrade my computer, and now I'm trying to learn about computers and parts and just just so I'm able to do it. But it's been cool because I figured out a lot of stuff with like video and photo editing and stuff that I've been able to do for just certain slot bomb stuff, you know, 
throw a new release. Oh, that's hot. Like, um, like that little yeah. like three song promo that we just put out. Um, and it just like I think it's just uploaded to like Spotify and YouTube and everything today. But like when I went to make the YouTube video for it, like it's pretty easy for me to just like put in the picture of the let it play but you know i figure if people are going to sit on there i might as well make like the picture like glitch out or something go on i'm definitely not good enough to figure out like music videos and things like that but i've just been trying to learn about stuff and some of it's good for the band but yeah some of it's just to keep distracted from it because there's only so much we can do it's cool that we got to put out like a seven inch this year and it's cool that we got the like um, like write all our next album. I'm excited when we go to record it with Nick. We're going to do that in a couple months. We're going to come up to Chicago. He's got a little spot and we'll probably just stay with him and try to stay quarantined from other people just so we're not like traveling and spreading anything. But at the same time... Yeah, no, just... Huh? Yeah, me, myself, uh, I've been getting into... My buddy Eric from a band called Warped and Whip, he actually goes out and works with Eric Wood. They do wiring for, like, a lot of the TV networks, whether it be, like, live NFL games or whatever. It'd be, like, wiring the cameras and microphones up. So I'm getting into doing that stuff with him. And I've, I've also been working on building my own synthesizer, too, from scratch, like my own modular oh, synthesizer. Cool. Yeah, too, so that's another thing. And then I've been, I've been doing a lot of this podcast during these times just to have communication with others and, you know, just to have other people in the world hear other people's voices and spread art and music around. You know, it's one of those, I guess it's a good thing. Oh, definitely. Um, so you guys are getting ready to record. You said Slut Bomb's getting ready to record something new? Uh, Yeah. So we just put out, like, a little, like, three song promo for the album but we're gonna go up and record with nick Celtis from death of self um he has a little studio Interesting studio. yeah and, give a shout out to death of self another awesome sh- chicago area band metro area oh, yeah. band too and other than that like nick's one of my best friends and we've known them pretty much since we've played shows there we've had them come down in cincinnati a million times by the way nick's really good at recording and he's a wonderful engineer and i'm really excited for him to not only hear all of these songs but to record them for us and we should have a record out hopefully before the end of the year are there any uh are there any are you just self-releasing are there any labels involved in helping put it out there's one who's interested who we're talking to, and there's a couple other ones who we um, want to talk well, to it, first. Well, if it ends up being a multi-label release, just know I'm down to have a hand in on it, too, too, if it becomes one of those things where it's a lot of different labels involved okay, on it. We can talk about that more later, too. <laughs> too oh, in yeah, the future. Talk about on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, yeah. Um, yeah. So you, you got that's going to be cool. Um, maybe tell people. Um, I guess you already talked about some, but I always like to ask people. Kind of. I guess we talked about touring. Like, what are some other good bands from your area, or from the state, people should be checking out? 
man, we're let's we'll definitely like Body Farm. We'll start with them because we did a good split with them. They're an awesome power violence band from here, and they're also really involved in the scene. So we appreciate that a lot. There's some like there's some like old favorites that like really got me into it. Like Monitor, even though they're more like, Kentucky, all, even though they're more Kentucky and haven't been around forever, let's always say Hell Nation too. Oh yeah, um, the the bass player from Hell Nation, he prints like all of our shirts, and then Albert's a friend of ours too. We love Hell Nation. <laughs> yeah, that's good. like one of them. But they are they're, they're not they haven't been a thing for quite some time. I don't think. Yeah. Thanks. But, mm, uh, what am I? Yeah. And if you guys, and, you guys and you can keep going with your list, but if you never have checked out one of my favorite noise artists, are from Ohio called Skin Graft from Cleveland. Oh, um, I don't know if I've heard this them. Guy, this guy named White, and he does Skin Graft so good. Actually, it didn't actually. Oh, everybody who's listening to this for as far as Ohio goes also, check out my friend Pat Peltier's noise stuff and check out all his bands, whether it be Bone Folder or Piagra. Bone Piagra is so fucking sick. I'm sorry to cut you off, but I fucking love Bone Folder. Oh, yeah, Bone Folder. Yeah, I guess Pat's also in a band called Piagrafist or Piagrafist or something like that, too. He's in Bone Folder, then he does noise under his own name, Pat Peltier. Too, which Midwest Lust and him were supposed to be doing our last tour with Kidnapped and him, but that all went the that all went the way of the side because of COVID. A lot of people's shit got fucked up because of COVID. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, definitely. It's unfortunate, but love, yeah, we love Kidnapped. We know they're not a Ohio local band. There's also, I mean, with our Flesh Mother, we used to share a practice spot with them. Um, they're kind of more of like a doom sludge band because they've got a lot of like fast hardcore parts too they'll mix the two and it's a just good as hell and really nice people they're kill the hippies they're from and and they've been a band since the 90s just a great punk rock band love vacation they do a lot of different like just punk and just straight rock and roll but they're a really good band from cincinnati Sulfuric Cottery is probably one of the best grindcore bands right now. They're from Dayton. Then there's Man. I didn't know they were. I didn't didn't know they were from Dayton because I think when I think when Suppression comes out here for Drury North Fest, I think they're playing a Sulfuric that band. They're playing at them in Pittsburgh. They're going to play at them over in Pittsburgh. Yeah, yeah, but they could have a show set up in Pittsburgh. Yeah, but that's crazy. That's crazy. I didn't know they were from actually Ohio. That's that's cool. Oh yeah, and I mean, there's a lot of really good bands from Ohio, and uh, honestly, more than anything, I mean, you just have a lot of friends, uh, a lot of friends who make really good music and who make us want to keep doing it, and who I hope that more people get to hear. I hope we can, like, as, like, the years go and when we can play shows again, that we can convince more bands to come to Cincinnati, and I hope that when we hear bands from Cincinnati, they like them. 
Oh, yeah. And and you, I, I mean, I would say for anybody listening to this podcast, go to Cincinnati because, I mean, Midwest Plus, we had fun, fun there, and that was a pretty snowy night. You guys said even that turnout wasn't the best, but it seemed like there was still some people. There was a plenty of good time for us. And you guys were so loud. When you were talking to Jay and you were just like, turn us up as loud as you can, I was I did not like, think oh, so. I was going to no. do it. <laughs> and he did it, and it was so loud. And everybody, because I was working there, too. So, like, everybody was talking. You said it made you a little nauseous. You said it made you a little nauseous, yeah. right? <laughs> and I usually, like, can handle noise. and Like, hell yeah. But it That's was great. so loud. That's in a way, sorry to make you nauseous, but not sorry. No, don't. Don't be sorry. Because we're, because we're, because we're, because like, I think noise should be blurry to make people nauseous. Or what's the point of doing? What's the point of doing it if you aren't being completely out of control in some way? Right. Ways. Physical uh, response. <laughs> Oh, I mean, even when I do Drury Northfest, that's one of the things dealing with Eric Wood. He's like, that, the PA has to be scathing loud. I want it to make people's ears bleed. <laughs> and so, and so I'm, I'm sure. just like, I'm like, yeah, we can do that. And that's just kind of the thing about noise is, noise is the most extreme of all extremes. So you, yeah, people, a lot of people see why get harsh, but. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of noise acts out there that are very like minimalistic and experimental and very chill too. That aren't very harsh either. Either that aren't even very punk or more jazz rooted sometimes. But I guess everything's rooted in blues and j- everything's rooted in blues and jazz to some degrees. Anything that's almost a rock and roll base, those are the punk. Let's not forget the jazz artists and the blues artists were the punks before punks. Oh yeah, definitely. We my, go that far enough. That's what it all connects to. Yeah, what'd you say? Oh, I said like even metal, really, like all the old Black Sabbath stuff was rock and had rock and roll. It was very blues, it was very blues and jazz based, like jazz bassy. It was like was very influenced by those types of those things. Yeah, very much, very much so. So, oh, what else is I gonna? get into here um there's a thousand things i could ask you all um oh this is something i always like to get into on this podcast and this is something i ask everybody and this is going to be something you don't have an answer for you don't have an answer for so my favorite so i get into this next question because of a because i talked about a tracks more earlier which is jeff and my noise partner and i one of our favorite time projects and he was a very fan of these movies called Gallo movies, Gallo movies or Gallo movies, which are basically these Italian slasher films that are almost B movies, B cut movies. And I got really into them, but then I got into thinking about what was the, I got into thinking about what was the very uh, first thing that ever scared you. It was kind of like a scary movie that made you, feel someone because I can relate movie film to also music in some ways like the creative side of it to a degree and I think the first thing that and you don't even have to say something scary maybe just a movie that first touched you uh but I got into those slasheries but I was thinking about it one day what was the first thing that really scared me and for me it was The Shining with Jack Nicholson Jack Nicholson oh, I saw that when I was young and I think it's just like 
this guy trying to kill his whole family and that's possessed and it's borderline suspense thriller drama mixed with like horror films. So it's a really cool it's a really Technical. cool piece of art. I didn't see that until <laughs> semi recently and I was still really surprised. And Debbie had like just read the book and so she was telling me about all the stuff that was different with the Jack Nicholson version, but I still yeah, I still love every minute of it. Well, the book, well, unless you're getting into Sin City or 300 with Frank Miller doing graphic novels on the screen, actually not letting Hollywood fuck up a shit like they fucked up X-Men and other stuff, For oh, yeah. always the books, always the books are going to be better than the movies. That's just the way. Uh, yeah, like, I've always <laughs> been a big Fantastic Four fan, and so, like, I just, I know, I know about the movie never living up to the book. Um, yeah. As far as, as far as scary, scary yeah, yeah. Um, anything that ever scared you for the first time, or just a movie, just movies you really like, it can be either. Um, growing up, one of my friends, in when we'd spend the night there, the next day her dad would always put on either like old Twilight Zone episodes, or I remember very distinctly um, Cujo, and that happened right after I got bit by a dog. I was a little bit afraid of dogs. I'm not anymore. Um, and the birds, that movie, I don't know why, but as a little kid, oh, that's what I was freaked me out. I was so scared. I fell asleep. I fell asleep while it was on, and then, like, I woke up, like, right when, like, the bird part was getting. And, like, I ended up watching through it a couple other times, but even still, that movie, like, freaks me out. And I definitely think just, like, like they're just ignoring everything going on. It, yeah, I was gonna say the birds too. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah, it's um, that's a that's a, that's actually a really good pick. Like I, re- the first thing I ever saw it actually made me like. There was a movie I saw because I was in like a like a hardcore band when I was young with like one of the dudes from Coles's younger brother. I don't know if you're familiar with that band Coles. Or not, or so. ever heard the name. They're kind of like one of the very early mathematical, like, hardcore bands, but I was in a band with Wade Hell. He was a big, like, you know, Misfits and Sam Hain fan, but, you know, he was in the horror movies heavily. So he he showed me Last House on the Left, the original one. I think that made me puke just because it's so kind of like, at a young age, it was so fucked up for me, just, like, taking these girls out into the woods, torturing them, and then and we, But it's pretty cool because in the end, the parents fight and they stumble across the parents' home and the parents end up torturing them and killing them. They oh, yeah. kill their and it's just such a twisted, fucked up movie. It's such a twisted, fucked up movie. And a lot Definitely. Of... I was really... <laughs> it, it's crazy because before I had even seen that, I knew I knew of it just because the house venue, Last House on the Left, was called that. And it was, yeah, it was really the last house on the left on that street. I'm sure they also liked the movie. Somebody at the venue was like, well, let's call our house. Just because it is the last house on the left on the street. And I like this film. So let's do it. Oh, yeah. Logan and Blake always were in, like, Grind and, like, in, like, grind and like darker bands and all their lyrical content was dark and just always watching like i'm sure watching a ton of horror movies and when jody and landis lived there too <laughs> yeah i don't know who all lived there i i just remember meeting some kid who had like it lived there it had i think he lived there he's a little bit more 
he had like red hair, I think, maybe. I, I, I don't know. Don't remember. Off the top of my head. This is so long ago. I can't. I can't. I can't even keep all details correct about Tour, who I meet and who I don't. But I remember that house being cool. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Definitely a good one. Any other? Are there any other splits you all have coming up with anybody else coming up anytime soon, or anything I, else to you guys? We've mostly just been focusing on the album. We've still got copies of our split with ATM um, on cassette and the one with Body Farm. And we did one with Death Itself. We've been out of those for a while. We've pretty much just been focusing all the new songs for the album since our first album's come out. We've, you know, we put out like three splits, so we figured it's time for another album. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, it kind of comes to the point at some point. You're kind of like, as we, I mean, I, I'd even love to do a Midwest Plus split with you. I would love to do a split more of like something's different from us, but we have so much coming out because we're doing like, we have a six-way with suppression, brown piss, bullshit market, dipped, and chest pain in us. Oh, yeah. We have, we have a pain chain split we're supposed to do. It's already pretty much done, getting ready to come out. We have the condition split that's done. We're just waiting for deathbed tapes on that, which is another Ohio label out of the same, out of Dayton too. Mm. And no more noise label, the guy's getting ready to move here to Chicago. Chicago. He recently did, did, he's recently doing a bastard noise release too. Um, but yeah, it's kind of like, yeah, we're trying to work on our own like LP it's pretty funny. We're going to call it Revoked, and it's going to be Jeff and my driver's licenses on the pictures on the photos because they both look way ridiculous. Jeff just looks real scummy in his driver's license photo. He's kind of having mold hair coming out of the back while he has his regular hair. He just looks really stoned and has a beard in it and just looks like a criminal. And then the, them and my driver's license photo, they told me to open my eyes because I was so stoned, so my eyes are open real wide. I look all psychotic. <laughs> I, I can't imagine anybody taking a good driver's license photo. I've never seen like somebody that's like a really yeah, good. So, so we're gonna take both of our driver's license photos and put them on the cover and call our LP revoked. Put a big revoked stamp on it, like our driving privileges have been revoked. That'll be good. Yeah, we gotta <laughs> figure out a lot of stuff with the new album. Just like the cover and everything, we most like been really focusing on trying to take a more anarchist approach to even like lyrics. And I'm hoping that when we can have shows again, we can at least do a little bit more because you know people might not always hear the words you say. You can give something to somebody, you know, give them some literature, some lyrical content like Realicide and Decide Today, and like the Tank 1312 would do that a lot. And that's like a lot of stuff that's like definitely wanted to influence me to get into that. But I, we've been spending a lot of time thinking about that, just making sure like our message and everything that we're trying to do is, you know, not only known, but obvious. Yeah, yeah and totally. I have another band called all that slut bomb album probably won't come out until like the end of this year but i have another band called stall and we 
recorded something with Nick as well, just a little like Kevin song, like Power Violence. And we're probably going to put that out in a couple months sometime. And that's just going to be a little one sided seven inch screen print. Oh, awesome. Well, any, I guess this could probably wrap it up for about this episode. We've been talking for a while. Anything um, else you all would like to add to this? Um, I think we covered pretty much any, everything. Like, we definitely had a lot of shows canceled this year and a lot of things that were a bummer. But at the same time, you know, everybody has just trying to stay bright, you know, like practice as much as we can, get new music out as much of a bummer as this year has been for like live music, it's been great for recorded music. And I really appreciate that bands are going harder. I think I don't, it's, it's hard to stay positive like right now, but I really think once things happen again, they'll be better. They'll be better than ever. Well, yeah, I think so. I think so too. I get those hopes that after this pandemic, that things are uh, more better, more better than ever. For every for everyone, just like people in music, people in art, people in careers, people whatever they have to do in this world to get by. You know what I mean? I mean, I just hope it's a better future for all human existence and all other species on this planet. Are humans? Like I hope humans quit treating uh, animals like a lower species and quit fucking consuming them at the time, but. You know, you can't, you can't always get what you wish for. And that's it, but you can always work for it. I think that's probably the only, the only other thing I want to say is I think it's really good for, for even though there's you know, assumption under capital, you can still try, and you can still do your best. But doesn't mean, you know, you can't like I I you know, wants to be vegetarian or vegan but can't do it all the time or somebody who wants to put their money towards good things but can't all the time at least when you're trying, when you're making an attempt, that means I think more than anything and you have a gradual a gradual process towards something good. Yeah, and to- have- totally I agree. I agree with that. I agree with those statements totally. Um, and I mean, if we if we don't try, what I mean, if we don't try, what can we ever what can we ever get if we don't? You exactly. know, I've often thought of that. And I mean, and, and I mean, necessarily suggest that to everybody. I know not I know not everybody can make all the steps, but everybody try to just make small ones to whatever you can do. And then every little bit counts, even if you don't eat meat once a week or something, just to help out not support that industry so goddamn much or something. I don't, I don't know. Right. Just go out there, go out, go out there, and I tell people go out there and help someone else, give somebody some change out on the street, do something like, you know, watch out for your fellow people too. Don't fucking treat other people like they're less than you, than <laughs> they're less. Is they're in some fucking disadvantaged situation, probably due to the capitalistic fucking system we're all placed in, anyways. So, exactly. You know. mm-hmm. We can always be making an effort, and even if you can't, and even if there's sometimes 
when you can't, it's no reason to, it's no reason to feel like you can't ever just because you can't right now. Are we going to say that? Exactly. Oh, okay. What were you saying? Oh, oh what were you I, saying? I, 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 yeah, I think we're um, just, thanks for having us. Yeah, yeah, this was great. It was a lot of fun. Thanks for talking yeah. to us. Well, I wanted to. Well, I wanted to say also, before we go, thanks for helping me out in the way you all have done. Thank you for the friendships. Thanks for creating in this world and giving me something to listen to and other people to listen to and enjoy. Uh, yeah, thanks for the community, friendships. Thanks for talking with me and just being friends in general. I, I, I love you, Daryl. I love you, Deborah. Thank you very much. Oh, we love you, too. So, yeah, thanks a ton, bud. Sometimes we don't. Sometimes we don't say those things enough in this world, and uh, and I guess with that all being said, this has been another suspended soul podcast, and I guess we'll all be out. <laughs>